Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you, the mom or dad journeying through this chaos of raising kids. From the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. I am your host, Tony Smith. Thanks for joining me today for our fourth episode of our Family Worship Series. This particular episode goes out to all of the moms. The mom who takes the time and effort to care for her family every day. The mom who sacrifices her wants for her kids, getting them ready for school, picking up the toys for the 23rd time, talking and investing time with your kids, taking them to practice or games. The mom who manages the home, making it structured, cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, doing the dishes, and laundry. All of it. Moms are superheroes. Now our Bible verse for the day is Deuteronomy 6.8. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. I want to take a second to explain what this looks like if you were to do this literally. Tying God's commands as symbols on your hands or binding them on your foreheads. This is actually a practice that observant Jewish people do. They have these things called tefillin. I don't know all the details, but they are these little black boxes with small scrolls of verses from the Torah, which is the Jewish law. And the first five books of the Old Testament of the Bible falls under this category. But anyways, these little black boxes with scrolls, are wrapped around the forearms and wrists and also strapped to the top part of your head. And it's unique in a sense that Jews take this verse literally and apply the meaning behind it, which is to keep God's word at the forefront of your mind and on your hands, visibly to where you can see and remember. Now, even though we might not see this in the U.S., there is something that I've observed about our culture that does something similar. Tattoos. There are a bunch of reasons why people get a tattoo, but often a tattoo is desired because of a sentimental meaning and is made and drawn as a sign to remember. It's amazing how many people I've seen with tattoos along their arms, wrists, hands, and fingers. What is even more interesting is many of the people I've interacted with that have tattoos on their forearms, wrists, and fingers have some sort of religious symbolism or meaning. Words like faith, grace, love, drawn with a cross in the lettering or around it. Or even the cross as a symbol on the forearm or on the inside of a finger. Or a verse inscribed on the forearm or bicep or even a small black circle on each wrist representing the crucifixion of Christ, where those nails were at. I've seen a lot of these tattoos, and I can't help but think of the parallel to this verse. Now, I'm not suggesting you all need to go get a tattoo. That's not my point. My point is that many people in our society get tattoos to remember something that is meaningful to them. So how can we as parents live in a way that the characteristics of God and his word are consistently remembered and acted upon? Another parallel I've noticed are bracelets, these little plastic rubber circles that dangle from your wrist. 
often they're in support of something, like a good cause, or maybe they are to remember an incident that took place in your community that was really impactful. So I'm personally wearing three bracelets right now. Two of them are in remembrance for a student that I had that had died by suicide. And the third bracelet has the four symbols of the gospel. All of them are worn because they have meaning. But sometimes they've been observed by others and it started a conversation. Those that have bracelets or tattoos may have had something similar. People might ask you what it is and what's the meaning behind it. As I contemplate this section in regards to parenting, are my words and actions directed from remembering who God is and what he has done for me? And furthermore, do my kids see that? As a dad, how do my words and actions impact my daughters for the glory of God? I think about the things I say and my behavior, and there are some bright spots and there are some dark spots. Most of you are probably in a similar situation. Ultimately, the word I'm trying to describe is influence. How do I influence my family? As I was doing my research on spiritual influence within the home, the Barner Group did a study with teenagers and who influences them in the home. And this is why I have to give credits to the hardworking, sacrificial moms out there because in just about every single category of this article, moms were at the top. The article is titled The Powerful Influence of Moms in Christian Households. You can find the link to the article in the description of this episode. Now, I'd personally be curious to know the influence in other types of households. But here are some of the most interesting points I found. In the article, one of the categories was titled, Where Teens Receive Spiritual Guidance and Encouragement. 99% of teens feel encouraged to go to church by their mother. About 83% of teens talks with their mom about God's forgiveness. About 75% of teens feel their mother teaches them about the Bible. And those statistics are just three out of 26 other categories. And moms were at the top for almost every one. The high majority of teens in a typical Christian household feel the spiritual influence by their mom. But I believe that brings up a really good question. How often do sermons in church speak on the experiences of moms, married or single, working or staying at home? As a husband, how often do I care for my wife? How do I take care of my kids? And that includes their spiritual development. You know, this article also has the stats of how teens feel about the influence of their dads. Click on the link and check it out for yourself. But dads had less influence than moms in 22 of the 26 categories. The four categories they had more influence were playing sports, money, logistical help, and politics. And none of those are overly religious topics. And it compares to other people within the family too, grandparents and siblings and so on. Bringing it full circle, regardless of the topic or category this article shows, the influence we have on our kids makes an impact 
on their life choices. And as a parent, we all know this. But there is evidence to support that the influence you have on your kids while they are younger carries with them not just to their teen years, but also into adulthood. But that's for a different episode. So what does this have to do with family worship? You know, when it comes down to it, are you living how God is calling you to live? And do your kids see that? Tie them as symbols on your hands. The things that you do, your work, your actions, and then bind them to your foreheads. Are the things of God on your mind? Do you take them seriously? Do you think of such things? As I ponder and reflect on this concept, do my kids see me live out my faith in daily life? Do they know what I think about or how I impact the kingdom? And maybe you've never thought about that before. Maybe your goal as a parent is to just raise your kids well, to be a good citizen in society, get a good education, and get a good job and make a living. But is that it? Is that all there is? You know, we don't have the ability to change the hearts of our children. Only God can do that. But we do have the ability to open their eyes to who he is. Do we as moms and dads portray godliness in our homes? Do we teach our kids the characteristics and commands of God? That's what I think this verse is really getting at. Living like the good news of Jesus is real. Walking by faith in relationship with God. People notice. Strangers notice. Colleagues and friends notice how you live by what you say and by how you act. And your kids notice too. I think setting a formal time for family worship is needed and necessary, even though it doesn't have to be very long. But it doesn't always have to be structured and formal. It can be natural and organic. A conversation at the park can turn into a time of understanding your kids' thoughts about God. A drive to school can develop into a deeper connection with your teen. And maybe you've never thought of having intentional conversations with your kids about spiritual things. Or maybe you haven't thought of doing a formal family worship with your children. Or maybe this whole God thing is completely new to you. Well, there's no such thing as too late. I'm going to share a little story about our family right after the break. As we enter into real life with the Smiths, a big concern of mine is that I would do or say something that would negatively influence my kids. And I don't know about you, but I have done and said a lot of things that could have a negative impact on my family. I have had moments of weakness and I fall apart. That's why there's grace and mercy. A quote by Carl Sandburg says, Be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. 
that quote holds some relief, but also a warning. The mistakes I make can be forgiven, but they won't necessarily be forgotten. Think about some of the things your parents said to you that were hurtful and how it made you feel. There's a reason why you remember those moments, and some of those moments shape you into who you are today. You have the same impact on your kids. One of the things I try to instill in my daughters is that they believe that I love them so much and that they feel loved by me, but that they are also loved by God even more. They won't believe me if I just say, I love them. I have to show them, come down to their level and find out what is truly meaningful to them and act upon it. Meet them where they're at. I remember many years ago now, I was watching a MSU basketball game. Now, I'm a huge MSU basketball fan. I get a little crazy during March Madness, but for some reason, my emotions go with the flow of the game, ups and downs and to the extreme. But I was watching a particular game one day, and Sparty was up by like 12 points or something. And I was feeling good. It was the second half, and minute by minute, their lead began to decrease. It dropped to eight points, then six, then three, and eventually we lost the lead. And I don't quite remember what happened, but as their lead dissipated, my frustration increased. And I remember yelling something at the TV. I don't remember what I said. Nothing too bad, but I said it loud. Very loud. And I chucked the remote at the other end of the couch. Well, our oldest daughter at the time was probably two, turning three. And she heard me and saw me and started screaming and crying after I yelled at the TV. She was scared because she thought I was yelling at her. So I picked her up, I gave her a hug, I rubbed her back, calmed her down, and made her feel better. I apologized for yelling and tried to explain that I was yelling at the TV, not her. But the damage was already done. Here we are four years later. She still remembers that moment. A moment of weakness that I had that was not even directed at her or anything she did. But what I said and how I said it created an environment of fear and sadness. I still watch Sparty basketball from time to time, but I'm much more intentional about keeping my emotions in check. And I don't do it perfectly, but I try. How do those actions influence my daughters? Is yelling at the TV okay? Throwing a remote, okay. What if it's your spouse and not your TV? Is yelling and swearing at your husband, okay? Is hitting your wife, okay? Is breaking a chair or smashing a bottle out of frustration, okay? These are all questions that you can answer on your own. The answer to those questions aren't what's important. It's how they influence your kids. What do they see about your life as a parent that they believe is acceptable and not acceptable? And do those words and actions align with God's word 
and what he teaches. Like I said before, I make mistakes all the time from things I do and the things that I say, but I encourage you, if God wanted to smite you down for the mistakes that you've made, he would have done it already. He loves you and cares for you and has entrusted your children to you for a reason. We must wrestle with how to live as though God's word is on the forefronts of our minds and on our hands. And then try to teach that to our children. Our walking wisdom for today is simple, but it might be a little bit challenging. Have a conversation with your spouse and your children about what things they observe about your behavior and your words that might cause them frustration or sadness. You might be surprised at what they say, and you might not even be aware that you're doing it. But it's a conversation starter, and it dives deep into your children's heart, and it's also sanctifying for you, and maybe God will use it. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our show, and we will send you our list of our top three parenting books for 2022. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our podcast. We appreciate all of your support, and thanks again. This is The Walk. The Walk.